good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. Isn't that why we're here? Jesus. Honor him. Appreciated Elvin's comments. Turned to my wife and I said, wait a minute, that's what I'm preaching on. But uh, when, when we consider spending a week, and, and I've been to a number of Bible schools with the children and, and participated in some, and it comes to the end of the week. And I know some of you, even like for your host families, you might just bring a little present, a little something to give them, to bless them. And that's kind of my heart today. I, I, didn't, I wasn't scheduled for this, but I had a present to give. And I didn't know when I could give it, but God gave me time to do that right here. And this is a gift for me personally to each one of you personally. This, this message. Let's turn in our Bibles to John 12. We'll start there. When everyone's there, we'll pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, Lord. Um, each one, you see us, Father. You, um, you behold who we are. And Father, when you created us, you created us with an individual purpose and meaning. God, and, and Father, where are we at when you look at us today? Where are we at when you look at us this moment? Have we fulfilled things so far? Have we come as far as you'd like us to come? Father, we need to ask that question. That beautiful song, I need thee every hour, God. It sunk into my heart because I need you every hour. So, Father, be with us. Let your spirit come and be among us and in us so that we can receive from your word and and these teachings, God. Um, Again, just a beautiful treasure, a present from heaven. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Well, here in John... um, We want to go to verse 35 and 36. Now this is Jesus is uh, the following scriptures, uh, you know, surrounding this is the last supper is coming up here. He also gave them some words. 
about the corn of wheat falling to the ground and dying. So this is totally surrounding his preparation to the apostles, communicating to them about what's going to happen. And he says these words, Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Now, if we look at this scripture, walk in the light, lest darkness come. My title of the message is Devotions with the Light. We walk in the light lest darkness comes. If we continue, I'm going to have to drop this down. Um, if we continue to walk, that process of walking is somewhat of a consistent thing, isn't it? When you walk, one step. There's a consistency. There is a repetition. And then also, it denotes advancing. It doesn't, it's not you're standing still. You're advancing. And so when he says to walk in the light, he's saying be consistent in me in the light and advance in me in the light. For a long season, I've been having the privilege of counseling many people. And usually no matter what the transgression or the problem or things like that are, I found myself asking at the end of maybe the confession and at the end of the, the um, sharing from that person to me, I've kind of come to the point of always asking, how is your devotional life? How is your devotional life? And, and over the years, something that I've found is one 100% in my experience, it might not be in all experience, but in my experience, there's a direct connection between the devotional life and the level of its reality in your life and darkness and being accessible to Satan, having a door open.
Sometimes I ask, is devotions just a little checkbox in your day? Is it, is it something that, that might happen? Now, in, lately in our home church, God has been speaking to us. See, me as a pastor, and I don't know if you do this, but I keep a lot of notes. I have, I have spiral notebooks packed up. My wife can tell me she knows she moves them around. But um, I keep notes because my mind isn't very sharp when it comes to memory. So I write notes. I, I, I write sermons and everything else all on paper. And something that's very special about that is that I can go back year after year or I can go back to a certain area and I can just read through what God's been showing us. And that's what I do occasionally at church because, you know, I want to know what direction God's preaching is taking us in. Kind of back off and look at the big instead of just hearing every Sunday. And God has been really showing us and exposing to us the reality of Himself. The reality of God. He wants us to know that He's real. That He's right here. Not just because we're gathered together here. He's here every moment. He's here every second. No matter where you're at. And do we have a reality that He is? And that's what's being challenged to my heart you know, at home church. And so it's kind of an outflow here um, when I come. I prepared here yesterday morning for this message or began to prepare for it. And this has never happened to me before. And so I'm walking on kind of new ground here because the Lord has never given me such a vision of an allegory to put in a message. And this allegory, I've looked scripture, I've crossed over scripture, so I know it isn't, I know it isn't deceitful and things like that, but um, I want you to go with me on a little trip. And this trip is to heaven. And I'm just going to read through this, but I want you to listen very carefully. Listen very carefully because we're going to um, have some application after this. But first, I just want to read one other scripture out of Psalms 24, 3 through 5. Since we are, our our objective here, I think, in this allegory is to approach heaven. 
I thought this scripture would be good. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. So here we go. We begin, we approach the veil leading toward the throne of mercy and grace. This throne of mercy and grace is not currently of judgment, but will be because of Christ's sacrifice. As we peer in the lightnings and thunder, clouds and fire and smoke, it meets us beyond the veil. A great light pierces the smoke and the clouds as we enter. And as we enter in further, the smoke and the clouds yield to the brightness. The brightness, this light falls on us and it seems to even go beyond us, through us, like an unhindered searchlight, exposing, illuminating There's no shadows that fall behind us because the light is through and around everywhere. Naked and open before Him whom we have to do, we stand. Our joints weaken. Our posture slumps toward the ground. Utterly helpless to raise even a finger Tears begin to well up in our eyes. Our mouth opens, but nothing can be uttered. Our concerns and our burdens, even time itself, seem to melt away. Our thoughts narrow. We lie there prostrate, fully exposed, melted to the ground, only having come near. His presence. But then we are compelled to raise up and begin to walk deeper into the brightness. Closer we come, we feel an unbounded love, an acceptance. That compelling is His arms coming around us to receive us. We now find ourselves among a multitude of others. To our left, to our right, before us and behind us. Together, but yet alone. A throng, but yet the only one. That's how it felt. Again, we become powerless, falling to our knees before the brightness. Only the outflow of His character is there. Even the multitudes around us fade from our memory and our perceptions. Only brightness, brightness, brightness. Close, yet afar off, we hear holy, 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 Lord, God, 
Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Over and over again. Holiness unto the Lord begins to cry out from us. Not from our mouth, not from our thoughts, but from a deeper inner place, our soul. Scriptures from long past begin to flood from our mind to our heart. Of God's faithfulness, His holiness, His love, His power, His strength, His unchangeableness. Scriptures about the Son, the sacrifice, the resurrection, the ascension, the judgment. God's mercies. All of the Bible in a moment entered in. All at once, but yet distinctly separate. It's as though it were the presence of the living word that approached us and went in. Christ himself meeting with us. Well, that's the end of the allegory. Is God real? Is Christ real? Can we approach the holy hill? Do we have a reality of what's on the top of that holy hill? We all know what it looks like for each one of us individually to begin our devotions here on earth. But we must get a hold of the greatness and the severity of what we approach. It must come upon us as fear, reverence of God. We must get a hold of the greatness of God. We enter into His realm. We live in His realm. But for a season, this realm here on earth has been given over to another. But it will come back to Him in glory and honor and truth. The reality is that God... That God of eternity and Jesus Christ, His Son, are ready to meet with you. You can have your devotions in the middle of the night. You can have them in the early morning. God does not sleep. He does not slumber. One of the things that He does is wait for us to come. That longing heart of a father for a son or a daughter to come and commune, commune, be one with him. How should we come? How should we prepare for such 
an amazing thing. Do we see devotions as a holy appointment? You know, eternity is happening right now. Those words that I spoke, holy, 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 Lord, God Almighty, are happening now. And you have to understand, when we enter into our devotion time, when we come to the Lord in prayer, we enter in from this temporal time into eternity to receive. That's where we meet the Lord. It's a miracle. Do you realize that? It is a miracle what God gives us in prayer and in the Word of God and in His Spirit that He left here for us to teach. We have a wrong perspective, I would say. And I include myself. We must give God our best. Did He not give us His best when He gave the life of His only Son? Did He not give us the best when He gave us the Word of God protected through eternity? Did He not give us that beautifulness of the Holy Spirit? Our best is required. Look at what He's given us. Look at what He's deserving of. It is very clear in the Word of God that God does not accept a mixed offering. A mixed offering is this. He requires a lamb, spotless and blameless. But that lamb has a little blemish. That's a mixed offering. Do we come to Him with so many things on our mind that we give Him that offering of our devotion mixed Are we trying to squeeze the time? We, we figure out, oh, we're running late. Here, let me get my checkbox taken care of. And we very quickly go through. Maybe read. Maybe just skim over. And oh, don't, no time for prayer. What happens in the heavenlies at that point? I believe that the very God of heaven could have a tear in his eye because he missed you. When we are the most alert, the most awake, the most focused, that's when He can accept
a pure offering from us. You see, our perspective, like I said, is wrong. Our calendar and our alarm clock and and all of our day should surround this very integral part. We must pray that God opens our eyes and ignites our heart to have the fire of His devotion light our way to finding our way to, to the living Word. To the, to the Spirit of God entering in when we pray and intercede and worship the Lord. You know, in the mid-20th century, in the hills of Scotland, in the Hebrides, a group of men, a group of leaders were gathered together praying. Actually, it was in a barn in straw. They were just kneeled down in straw. And as they were praying, a young man rose up. And read that Psalms 24, 3 to 5 that we talked about. Then he spoke out. Brethren, it seems to me just so much humbug. To be prayed as we are praying. And waiting as we are waiting. If ourselves are not rightly related to God. You say they were praying for revival, revival for a nation. And this, this young man brought this rebuke. How could we be waiting? How could we be praying to God in vanity? Lest our offering is not pure. Our offering isn't separate. At this moment, God released those men in a rush of repentance and just giving themselves again wholly to God. And that included Duncan Campbell. He was there. And revival broke out there in Lewis. But you know what? It didn't begin with that young man's words out of Psalms. It didn't begin with the rebuke. For it began when he got a when he got a communication. Would you come and preach here? And he said no. Gave a response, no, my calendar is full. I can't come. So the minister received that back, and we didn't know this at the beginning. I didn't tell you. But the original request was made of two ladies who spent nearly all the day long praying for revival for Scotland. 
and their area because they saw sin in the church. They prayed fervently. Their devotion time with the Lord, they were in the heavenlies. They approached the throne of grace. Those two ladies... And when the minister came to tell the ladies, well, Duncan's busy. And they said, you send a letter back to him saying he better check again with God. So when Duncan got that back, he took time and he sought the Lord. And he was seeking the Lord and all of a sudden a Communication came to him that all of his calendar plans for these meetings that he was going to have had been canceled. And Duncan just bowed before the Lord and yielded. He said, I'll be there. And when he joined in prayer with these men, they broke their heart. And that revival happened. Why? Two ladies. Fervent devotions. Fervent entering in. A realization verily to even say, you better check with God again because this is what He told me. Oh, brothers and sisters. Our time with the Lord in prayer and in the word, it empowers us. It equips us. It strengthens us. For what purpose? This is another thing that we don't realize. It strengthens us for the battle. We don't realize there's a battle raging for every soul. Again, the reality of God has has slipped us. And our carnal weapons, have you used them against the evil one? They don't work so good. But where do we get our spiritual weapons? Where do we get our spiritual strength? Where did Jesus... Where did Jesus... He kept communion with the Father all through His ministry, all through His life. And He was able to say, Yes, Lord, Your will be done. To go to the cross. Let's turn to First John, Chapter Five. Or excuse me. Read that wrong. First John 1. Verse 5. 
This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say that we have devotions with him and walk in darkness, we lie. Have you been a liar Have you deceived? I'm not talking about the people around you. Have you lied to God with your actions? And do not the truth. Did you hear that? If we're not in the light, if we're in darkness... We do not the truth. We do not the truth. Do you remember the first scriptures that we read? About the light and the darkness and how, the, how Satan can come in. We do not the truth. Continuing on in verse 7. But, I love when the Bible says but. <laughs> I just love it. But. If we walk in the light, again, action, purpose, direction. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with God. You'd almost think that would be what it would say, wouldn't it? But it isn't. We have fellowship one with another. You see, real fellowship for God isn't half-hearted Christianity getting together and having a time talking. It's being naked and open and, and, and willing to, to just pour our lives into each other. And if we're both walking in the light, guess what? We can have fellowship the way that God designed it. But if we're walking in darkness, brothers and sisters, if we're walking half-heartedly, He won't receive it. He won't honor it. And we will never have that fellowship that God wants and that God Himself says that we'll show people through our love for one another, our fellowship to the world. How's that for something between the eyes? Wow, we're useless in half-heartedness. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You see, in order to come boldly, you have to receive His promises. You have to believe His promises and have faith in His promises that the throne is there and it's waiting for you. And it's waiting to do in your life everything that God ordered. When He brought you into this world, just like I prayed, there was a plan for your life with God. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. The plan was there. And what have we done with it? What have we let slip through? 
How many times have we had to, had to go the wrong way and then have God come back around and kind of redirect us again? Come on, son. Come on, son. Daughter, come. Approaching the throne of grace of the Almighty God every day, your devotions become a reality. Things of the world don't matter. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're going to be slack in those things. But make it priority one. And you chalk that time out. And if the Lord asks you for more, give him more. Even seasons of being alone with him. Those are important too. Those extended times. Set the alarm right on the calendar. Plug it into the phone. Plan like it was the most very special event that you didn't ever want to miss. Every day. Do you know how joyed God's heart's going to be? If, what, 200 of us come to Him tomorrow morning. Lord, here I am. Sit up. Be alert. Not sleepy. A half-hearted watchman is no watchman at all. A half-hearted one. Don't come half-hearted. Some of you have already heard me say this. But oftentimes when I come to church or when I come to my devotions, I sit at the front of the chair. I sit there. If you're sitting at the front of the chair, what's your body language saying? I want something. I'm looking for something. I'm ready to go. Laying back. Listening to devotions on, you know. Come on. Is God worthy of more? He's worthy of more. Incline forward before the word. Make sure you have good light. These things distract. These things bring, you know, light with me. If I don't have good light, I'm, I'm going to sleep. It just happens. Or maybe we don't read as well. See, if, if you don't read as well, you miss a nugget. Or have you ever turned a word around and said the wrong thing in your mind and it means the wrong thing? You're not getting what he's writing or has written. So, these are just some suggestions. Incline before the Word of God. Have some good light. Lessen your distractions if you can. Distractions, whether you need to, if you have five things on your list today and you know you got to get them done and you haven't written them down anywhere, stop. Write them down. Put it aside. Okay, Lord. If you have... Well, what did he say about offerings? If you're going to come to the offering, you know, 
he, he wants a beautiful offering from us. If you're going to come to the, come to the, um, the word escape me. Where do you offer things at? Thank you. The word escaped me. The altar. If you come to the altar, but it says, if you have ought against your brother, don't you come. You go take care of it. So again, even if it's something that you need to take care of, take care of it. You know, if overnight you had a, you had a temptation and you sinned, go to your accountability and say, I need to clear this. I'm going to the Lord in devotions. I, I need to get rid of this. It's a distraction. Take some pen and paper to record your thoughts or maybe something the Lord gives you so that you can continue to get more. See, we have to look at the big picture. God, His Word, and communion with Him gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So guess what? If you're not getting it, that's because you're not going and getting it. You know, how many times have we heard, my devotions are dry, my prayer life is empty, I can't seem to battle this sin. problem isn't God. It's us. It's us. Brothers and sisters, let that fire burn within your heart. You're meeting with the Almighty God. He sustains us. He gives us our breath. Don't miss it. And be purposeful when you come. Don't just do the flop. You get purposeful with the Word of God. You study out what's real in your life. Maybe get a question answered. Maybe look toward the future in something. Maybe study something. But you come with purpose. How would you like an author to write a book, the most important book of all, by the way, How would you like that author? What what would he think if the readers just came and didn't start at the beginning of the book or didn't didn't look into the book by chapters, but just flopped it open and read a few words every day and closed it up, said, boy, that's a pretty bad book. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because we're not going after it. We're not studying it. We're not ruminating on it. That's what our devotion time is for. You get with God, you get with His Spirit, you get with His Word, and you get. You receive. Well, brothers and sisters, I've said enough. My heart is unburdened. And uh, know that everything that I said is for me and for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God... I come before you, Lord, thanking you, God, for your love and your care, the beauty of your holiness, the standard that you set before my eyes. And Father, I pray and 
Just help me to be compelled, Lord, to live a life on fire. To be, as it were, the offering. And God, I pray a blessing over this group here. Lord, what what is the greatest gift that I could give? You. And thank you, God, for giving me that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.